For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I just be the best, bring the best energy I can. Be a, be a really good teammate, and I know the guys in the dugout when I'm pitching are the same way I want to be. So that's what's so great about this team is we all love each other and we're we're on the fight every every single pitch. Georgia Southern sophomore pitcher Ty Fisher brings us in there. Jeremy, you've got to be willing to fight every single pitch, every mm. single game in order to try to get those two wins every single weekend. Unfortunately, the Eagles unable to do that as they fall on Sunday to the Raging Cajuns. Huh. I can't believe that because it seemed to me that the Eagles were doing pretty well. What's going on? What they is your thinking- assessment of the Eagles? Because you were there in person. I was there in person. Great facility, great atmosphere there at Louisiana Lafayette. Definitely one of the premier places to watch college baseball as they, again, keep trying to battle their way back to the top of the standings. Georgia Southern entered the weekend as that team on top of the standings. Just unable to really get those timely hits and and really, from what I saw on Saturday, it was a defensive game. Louisiana Lafayette drove home the small ball mentality as they were bunting left and right, and it was working. It was it was their most threatening offensive attack that they had was dropping the bunt. Well, you know, it's all about fundamentals. If you can get the fundamentals done right, you don't have to hit a home run every time. You just have to play team baseball, right, if you want to win. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> but you know what? For Georgia Southern, you know, they, they came into the weekend, you know, sitting – high and mighty atop the, the standings. And that's true. But they were a little bit overinflated having having gotten three wins out of the worst team in the Sun Belt right now. And that's my Red Wolves, who after beating UCA in the middle of the week have now lost three more. And this time it was to the Chanticleers, which you know, I guess I guess there's some I guess there's some expectation to lose to the Chanticleers given their history. But it's still pretty uh it's pretty disheartening for a Red Wolves fan if you're watching baseball. It was definitely frustrating watching that game uh, outside looking in just because it looked like the shots were doing what they could to give the, the, the Red Wolves a little morale boost with a win, and the Red Wolves just did not want it. You know, when, it, when the Red Wolves need a hit, they don't hit. When the Red Wolves need a field, they can't field. And when the Red Wolves need late-inning pitching, they just simply do not have it. Um there's a break. We were talking about fundamental. Well, I was talking about fundamental baseball early on in the show. And uh, that's something that the Red Wolves just lack. Uh, they, they have problems simply catching the ball. They have problems uh, throwing strikes. I think at one point uh, in the game yesterday, there was a series where a player, uh, Chanticleer had walked and then we balked and then there was an error. And, you know, it's just one of those things is it's not only just bad baseball, it's unwatchable baseball in Jonesboro. And there needs to be some changes made. I hope it happens. Some places that didn't have unwatchable baseball, Texas State and Georgia State with series sweeps over the weekend. The Bobcats beating App State. The Panthers beating the Jags. Texas State back right on top. Eight and one in the conference Georgia State at seven and two, Georgia Southern now six and three. And then Troy kind of sneaking in there at about a fourth place place. We're we're about a month and a half away from that Sunbelt Conference tournament kicking off at the Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery, Alabama. Jeremy, have we really learned anything early on in these baseball games? Yeah, I think so. I think we've learned that Texas State's gonna be pretty good that Louisiana is always going to have, you know, some stake uh, in, in winning some games. I feel like the surprise to me, though, right now, and tell me, you know, you're the baseball guy, Thibodeau. You understand baseball better than anyone on the show. Is Georgia State kind of a surprise right now? Because I, I, I see them doing really well. I'm wondering, I don't remember thinking Georgia State Panthers, now the Jags, I thought, good baseball program swept by Panthers? Is there something 
something brewing here in Atlanta that maybe we should be looking at? It's the carry of the Braves magic. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I think Georgia State's just kind of going through it and, and doing that kind of and I know this sounds bad, but it's really a, a, a compliment to them. They're kind of the dirtbags of, of baseball. They're really doing the things that they need to do in order to get the games won, whether it's the guy laying down the sacrifice bunt, going that extra inning when maybe you're tired all on the mound, just doing whatever it takes to get that win. And it's showing where you're able to really go down and get that series sweep against South Alabama. That's huge. You know, here's, something I heard described about the Memphis Grizzlies, the NBA basketball team, they were described as unpleasant. And at first, you know, I thought, oh my God, they're talking mean about Memphis. They weren't. They were just saying they were just unpleasant to play. They're so good that they're just unpleasant team to have to have to welcome into your hut and play. And maybe that, maybe, (laughs) maybe Georgia State is that baseball team, that gritty down and dirty team that's just unpleasant to play. Remember, I'm old enough to actually remember the the dog days there of the Detroit Pistons. So I, I, I know exactly what you're speaking about. Yeah, they are. Yes, perhaps they are the Detroit, the 80s, Bill, Bill Lambeer version of the Detroit Pistons of uh, Sunbelt Baseball. That would be the uh, Georgia State Panthers. But I asked you the question, what we had really learned here through these first three weeks. I asked the same question there of Georgia Southern head coach Rodney Hinnon. What has he learned about his team here early on? Well, I think, uh, you know, one thing we've seen this week, you know, Ben Johnson, you know, comes to mind. Uh, you know, we, we started the year with, with him in the weekend rotation, uh, moved him to the bullpen this week, and he's been really good out of the, out of the bullpen uh, this week. So that, that's been encouraging to see. And, uh, you know, Danny Madden will get the ball tomorrow, and, you know, we're, we're still kind of looking for somebody to step up in, in that Sunday slot, and Danny gets that opportunity tomorrow hopefully uh he can do that and you know one thing about this group that they've shown through the first half of the season is they're going to battle and they're going to compete and um you know to to the last out is made and you know we certainly had to do that today to to get this win so we shift gears now softball well underway as well we are exactly one month away from that sunbelt conference tournament kicking off in mobile uh, Still continues to be a two two horse show there with South Alabama getting a series sweep over Coastal Carolina, Louisiana Lafayette two to one series winner over Texas State. I feel like we're talking women's basketball again, where where it's really two teams and then everyone else. Yeah, and maybe that's just a matter of Sunbelt really needing to focus a little bit on getting these these sort of. Uh, I, I don't want to say. Non well, yeah, they're non-revenue. I well, I don't know, maybe softball's revenue, but they're they're focused on like for the for a lot of Sunbelt programs, the focus on football, a little bit on basketball, and then some of the kind of kind of some of the women's sports kind of loses out. I feel like uh, Arkansas or Arkansas State. I feel like the Sunbelt could be a tremendous uh, softball league, uh, given the uh, amounts of the amount of talent that we have here in the South. So it, to me, it's a little bit of a shame that's a two, two horse show. I feel like there should be at least five or six programs in the Sun Belt that are really competing, including Arkansas State, who doesn't even have a program. I know I hate bringing it back to Arkansas State, but damn it, when am I going to get a program at Arkansas State, Tibbs? What do I have to do? Uh, you're the alum. You, you got to pony up the bucks and, and, and get that program going. I do my part. I grouse. I complain. I, I I express my chagrin. Why isn't it just magically happening for me? Taking the field, your Arkansas State Red Wolves at Harper Field. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know, maybe if I if I if I were able to pull together a substantial contribution, I might be able to get that that, that name on the field. That would be pretty good. So when we go to Sunbelt Conference Media Days. We'll make sure that we go over to Harris Casino. You can put it all on black, and we'll see what happens on the roulette wheel. Like just a $20 chip, bam, see what Uh, happens. you got to put some more zeros in that. More than that. Okay. Well, all right. All right. Let me see what I can do. I'll talk to my wife, and uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. But I don't know if I'd count on that. Jeremy's homeless, but Arkansas State gets a softball program. (laughs) I can live on the field. 
So it's also, it, it, it's almost the end of basketball season. We're at the finals coming up on Monday night. Yeah. This past weekend, they had the three-on-three championship. Probably the best-named team, maybe I'm biased, was the Sun Belt and the Atlantic Sun. They were the sons of anarchy. <laughs> yes. Four and three. They fell in the finals bracket to the MEAC and SWAC team, but still a winning record, able to go in there and, and really kind of cause some anarchy there with the, the two Sun conferences. I got some basketball news. Fire away. So have you heard about Eric Church? Have you heard of Eric Church? Uh, no. Who's, who's, who's Eric Church? He's a country music star. Oh, makes, that Eric Church. That Eric Church, you know? He, he, he strums the guitar. He, he has concerts. And people go to those concerts. They buy tickets. And then they go to the concert to listen to him sing. Well, he had a concert scheduled for the day Duke and North Carolina were going to play. So what he did was he canceled the show. Said, sorry, fans. This is a lifelong dream of mine. Duke versus North Carolina in the final four. I've got to go. I will, I, will, I will bear the slings and arrows of your criticism because I am such a fan. But here's the thing. Here's the rub, Dusty Thibodeau. Eric Church did not graduate from North Carolina. He graduated from Appalachian State. Oh, so you're saying this is the equivalent of you uh-huh. yelling on the show to go to an Arkansas game? Yes, absolutely. This would be like, hey, listen, Tibbs, I'd be on the show tonight, but it's been my lifelong dream to see the Arkansas Razorbacks in the grade eight. So I'm going to go watch the Razorbacks. So I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard if there's some consternation amongst the Appalachian State faithful, who I know can be a little bit prickly. I don't know if you know if you know this, Tibbs, but Appalachian State fans can be a little bit prickly when it comes to their fandom. Right? They're a little bit like, uh, "Hey, you don't you don't mess with Appalachian State." And I feel like maybe Eric Church might mess with Appalachian State a little bit. But would it have been better if he would have just played a covert card and then been shown in the crowd? <laughs> yeah. I yeah I don't know you know I it's it we had this conversation uh, when the when Arkansas Razorbacks were playing in the in the NCAA tournament and there's always like a group of uh, or a, a subsection of or Red Wolves fans that will suddenly become Razorback fans when Razorbacks are doing well and so then there's always this debate is there a good time to shed your allegiance to start rooting for a, a more celebrated team in your state. Is there ever a good time for that? So I, I uh, you know, the debate is kind of hot and heavy. Some people say, yeah, take the high road. A lot of your friends are Razorback fans. You should be supporting your friends. And a lot of people say, no, hell no. Don't you never root for Razorbacks, no matter how well they do. You, you, you hope for their demise. So uh, you being on that side in, in Louisiana with LSU probably getting the lion's share of the, uh, of the the riches and the media coverage, you probably have the same debates that go on through there. But uh, yeah, Eric Church, I don't know. I, I don't know what uh, Appalachian State alumni think of that. Always interesting to tell. Another big basketball story that broke this past week that I know that you're, you're trying to block out of your mind Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year, huh. Chad O'Meara, said, what? see you later, Jonesboro. Adios, he told us. You know, all right. So, yeah, that was a, that was kind of a deal, Dusty Thibodeau. So, uh, Chad O'Meara, Sunbelt Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, there was a lot of speculation during the season that he might go. You know, he might test the waters in the transfer portal or even, you know, perhaps go pro, not necessarily the NBA, but perhaps in Europe or Australia or any other one of the half dozen professional leagues. He's a kid from Nicaragua. He, he has a family to support. So you, you get that. Well, after the Sun Belt tournament, uh, where Arkansas State would lose to the Georgia State Panthers, um, we kind of sat and waited and he put out a graphic 
or Chad O'Meara put out a graphic on Twitter. I'm coming back, guys. We're going to kick some butt. I'm going to be back with my teammates. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, roses. I love Mike Bellotto. We're going to do some stuff. It's going to be awesome. And they went on to a podcast and said, you know, a lot of people have been approaching me. They wanted me to join their teams or look at their programs. And I've said, no, I've said, I just, I just, I just focus on basketball here in Jonesboro. Uh, I want to be a red wolf for life. That's what he said. So then spring break comes Dusty Thibodeau. He goes somewhere, I don't know, back to Miami, maybe, I don't know. Comes back, has a whole new attitude. I don't know if I want to stay anymore. Coach Bellotto's like, I think maybe you should. So it's back and forth. And well, before long, he's take, he scrubbed his Twitter feed. The, uh, and the next day, he's announcing that after, you know, taking some time with his family and really thinking about it, he is submitting his name into the transfer portal. And of course, there's like a million rumors where he might be going. It's all conjecture. I couldn't give you any, any real facts as to where he might be headed. A lot of SEC and Big 12 teams are on the mention for it. So I guess we'll just have to see. I no doubt think that he's that kind of talent that he can go and play in the SEC and Big 12. But doesn't that kind of make you just another fish in the pond as opposed to being the man in the Sunbelt Conference, the man at Arkansas State? You know, you have to think of it in, in some ways. Yes, he would be the man at Arkansas State and would obviously be the man at the Sunbelt as he's been named, you know, uh, one of the top players for two years now. But the Sunbelt has a very bad reputation for putting people in the NBA, right? Was it Ron Hunter's kid the last guy? That, did he even get drafted or is he just? He was a day two drafty or maybe okay. a late first round. Okay. Okay. Because, uh, but I, other than that, you just don't see. So the Sunbelt isn't known for, for elevating players into the professional ranks. I think maybe Norchad O'Meara is hearing those whispers saying that you can do great things at Arkansas State, but it'll never be enough to elevate you to a point where you can get these big dollars at an NBA team. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like he has the motor and the drive to be a good player in the SEC or in the Big 12. I do. Does he have the, the talent? I mean, he's only been playing basketball for like five or six years. Does he have the, that sort of the, um, the ability to do that? I do not know. Uh, I don't know if he, he, he'll even have the resources around him to make him comfortable. Uh, he had Mike Bellotto, who spoke Spanish, for God's sake, so I can help him out. But we'll see. You know, he's just in the portal. Who knows? Maybe he changes his mind and comes back. Uh, Mike Bellotto did not seem very optimistic about that. Now, Dizzy Seals, uh, transfer out of Arkansas, who played for Jonesboro, also jumped into the transfer portal. And there seems to be some opening for Desi to come back because he's, he, if he transfers, he has to sit out a year. Am so. I the only one that, that when you're done with your team, you should be done with your team. There's no half in, half out. You're either in Jonesboro, in wherever, or you're not. You know, so it was kind of funny listening to Mike Bellotto about it because we were mostly talking about Desi, pretty much assuming that Norchad O'Meara is gone. And he was very, he sort of played it tough. Like somebody asked if Desi decides that maybe to come back, would he have a space, would there be a space open for the, from the team? He's like, you know, I don't know. You know, a lot of things were said. But the fish on Desi Seals, uh, it, it sounded to me that um, uh, Bellotto, I think probably would bring him back if, 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 if all the right things were said. But yeah, I get what you're saying, Dusty. I, I think if you quit on your team, that that maybe that that's a penalty enough. But in this day of the transfer portal, I don't know. Maybe those rules change a little bit. Maybe you just have to take it on a case by case basis. So we talked about the basketball uh, player of the year in Norchad O'Meara. Yeah. But Jeremy, we have the football player of the year Wait. from last season. That's really been the face of the program or of of the league as a whole these past two years. Wait, wait, are you saying theoretically we have him or figuratively we have him or metaphorically we have him? No, we have we have the king of the till. We have we have Grace him literally McCall here. That's incredible. We have Grayson McCall here on the show. We have Grayson McCall. Grayson, welcome in. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. So 
Grayson, like I said, you really kind of bust onto the scene two years ago and, and really became the face of the Sunbelt Conference. Take me back through that, that 2020 season. It was a COVID year, so really all eyes were glued to the TV for any kind of live football there was. But the shots really made the most of it and, and really propelled the league into the national spotlight. Yes, sir. You know, uh, we didn't really even know we were going to be able to play going into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a mindset of, you know, we're going to be ready if the opportunity comes. But, you know, if the opportunity comes, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to not be ready. So, you know, a lot of sacrificing, a lot of uh, Zoom meetings, a lot of, you know, uh, wearing the mask around the facility and, you know, off campus just to, you know, give ourselves the best opportunity to play. And, you know, uh, just a lot of hard work going into that season, you know, with uh, a couple losing seasons previously. Um, no, I think we were picked last to, to finish in the conference, you know. Just a lot of hard work, and, uh, you know, we bust onto the scene and, uh, you know, win a couple big games, and the ball just got rolling for us. And, you know, we just took the momentum, the momentum and, you know, took it how it came and, uh, you know, ended up putting up a, you know, really good season. So, so let's, talk about, let's talk about now then. You know, you, you had that great season before. And, and I, I, I remember the Sun Belt um, – and there, there seemed to be with with your coach Jamie Chadwell and 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 the guys that were there. I don't think you were there, but there was this 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 feeling that you that there needed to be some validation for what happened in 2020. So 2020 21 was almost like a year that had to say, hey, listen, 2020 wasn't a fluke. How did you guys go into 2021 trying to 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 duplicate that magic of 2020? Right. You know, just, you know, kind of the same process. Um, you know, we had, we knew we had the tools. Um, we know, we knew that we could put together another really good year. So, you know, it really started with our coaches and we had really, really, really good leadership, um, a great culture that the, those older guys put in place for us and, you know, kind of just took the same approach, uh, came in every day, ready to work, uh, prepared the same for every opponent, no matter who it was, um, you know, and just had that chip on our shoulder that, like you said, 2020 wasn't a fluke and, you know, coastal football is here to stay. So uh, we just had that mindset going into it, and we just, uh, you know, played the cards how they're dealt. But McCall, I mean, my God, you went from like you were saying, you weren't uh, the 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 chance weren't really expected much of 2020. Come out at top 25 team, and now you've got a target on your back every game. Are you telling me there wasn't that much pressure? Oh, uh, you know, there there definitely was. But like you said, um, you know, we were picked last in the Sun Belt, and then you know, I guess the we had some pretty high expectations in 2021, but you know, that's what we we've always wanted. We wanted to put coastal football on the map just because we've been overlooked for so many years. So yeah, I would say there was some pressure and, you know, like a target on our back, but you know, we love it. Um, you know, we call our, our guys, the bad boys of the Sun Belt, just because after that 2020 season, you know, many teams didn't like us. So we just, you know, had that chip on our shoulder and, and went out there and played football. And I guess that's kind of what I'm talking about too, because, I, I can only speak from the perspective I had out in the Sunbelt uh, West, uh, which is the Chanticleer football seemed like a, like a team that was, was building, not rebuilding, just building. And right. so there wasn't a, like a, to, to us, we didn't see a lot of like opportunity for rivalry. Suddenly everybody seems to consider the chance of rivals, Louisiana, uh, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, all these guys are like, yeah, we got to take these guys down. So that, there must have been a little extra juice of 2021, right? Yeah, there was for sure. Um, you know, maybe a little extra momentum just because, um, you know, a little extra drive just because we knew uh, those guys didn't like us. And, you know, every, every team wanted to come in and beat us. So we just made sure no matter who we were playing, if it was the worst team in the league or the best team, you know, take them the same way, prepare the same way. Uh, go in every game with the same mindset. So I think that's what definitely helped us out. So you missed all of spring, though, with uh, shoulder surgery. What's the latest of, of, of where you're at in the recovery, and do you think you'll be ready for this upcoming fall? Yes, sir. So I'm about nine weeks out right now um, post-surgery. Uh, rehab's been going really, really well. Uh, I have my motion all the way completely back. Um, you know, our, our, we have a really great training staff that's been uh, helping me out all the way. You know, every day I'm in there getting work on it. Um, I'm going to start a throwing program here in about the next month, um, get that rolling. But, you know, I'm really confident that uh, I'll be ready for the season. Like I said, our trainers and our coaches have been helping me out a lot. Um, you know, it was kind of rough at first, um, but it's been going great. And I'm really excited for the season. So you'll definitely see me out there. 
So how hard is this season also going to be for you coming off of that surgery? But you lose two of your top receivers as well in highly unlikely, which I still don't know how that wasn't capitalized on in the NIL deal with T-shirts and everything else. Highly unlikely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of pressure on us again this year, and, you know, me individually as well. But um, that we have we have a lot of young guys that, that have kind of been under the radar that have been in the system for two, three years that are ready to play. Um, we got a great transfer um, from Sam Pickney out of Georgia State. He's going to be a great mm-hmm. weapon for us. And yeah, so, speaking uh, of making people hate you. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, we, we've got some guys that are going to step up, and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, so during the offseason, after it was all said and done, after the bowl games and such, there was some speculation that you would enter the draft and that maybe Jamie Chadwell would would uh, entertain some offers from m- more uh, well-resourced schools. It turns out you guys are more like, hey, let's ride this Bronco one more time. Was there any co- uh, coordination between you two guys in terms of what your futures were going to be, or was it just simply, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, a coincidence that you two both just ended up staying at uh, Coastal Carolina to give another good year of, of Chanticleer football? Yes, sir. Uh, we actually did talk about it a couple times just because of all the speculation and, and the buzz that was going on. You know, not only – I know, like, uh, Tennessee and, and some other SEC big-time uh, programs had some job openings, and there was speculation that maybe he would be going somewhere else. And obviously, as well with me, some some people thought I would maybe declare for the draft or even transfer to a Power 5 program. But, um, you know, we he sat down with me and talked to, to me about it. Um, you know, I would I would potentially – was thinking, you know, if he went somewhere, maybe that's a, a good place for me to go, you know, maybe go play some better competition, but still be under the same system. So uh, a lot of speculation, but at the end of the day, Coach Chowell loves it here. You know, uh, his plan is to stay here and continue to build this program and kind of the same for me. Um, this place, you know, my foundation was built here. I love it here. I love the program, love the coaches. Uh, my teammates are great. And, you know, ultimately came, came down to, you know, me, the love I have for this program and just, you know, ultimately wanted to ride it out another year and, you know, leave my legacy here. So that's what it came down to. Over 5,000 yards passing in your career there at Coastal Carolina. What's the one school, though, in, in the conference that you kind of look at that defense and, and you, you constantly are kind of beside yourself, having to spend that extra time in the film room, take the extra reps in order to prepare for them? Yeah, you know, I think uh, all the defenses in the Sun Belt are really unique. Um, some similar, but a lot different. Um, you know, I think no matter who we're playing, I have to prepare to, you know, to the best of my ability. So I'm prepared when I go out there. But, um, you know, some teams like Arkansas State and Texas State, um, I don't know if you're fam- familiar with this term, but uh, they ran what we call a robber defense. So, you know, they'll, they'll take a, a D lineman out and, you know, throw a extra safety in there or something like that on, on third and long, second and long. So um, I wouldn't say a, a, a specific team, but you know, just getting familiar with those type of looks, seeing different things uh, week to week, and obviously seeing it for a whole year in 2020 helped me out this past year. Um, kind of looking at, you know, how they played us in 2020 and also, um, you know, how they're doing things in, in uh, 2021. So um, I would just say things like that, you know, just uh, the jump from high school to college, just familiarizing myself with those different looks and uh, being as prepared as I can when I go out there. I, 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 I did wonder... And, and this might not be the a very fair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just for the just for the hell of it. Did the, in, did the injury have anything to do with your decision to stay another year? Um, no, sir, I don't believe so. Um, you know, no, I would say no. Uh, you know, obviously it was um, even after the bowl game, I, I knew I had uh, something wrong with my shoulder. I didn't know how severe it was, but um, no, I would say no, man, not really. Okay. So next year, I, I, how are, you, are you even thinking about next year postseason? Or are you just all focused 100% on getting through spring training and then uh, – or spring training, spring game? Yeah, uh, I thought about it, talked to my parents with it, um, talked to some guys about it. Um, you know, everything goes how, how I have it planned um, this season. My shoulder gets to 100%. And, uh, you know, I'm out there being able to play at a high level. You know, I expect this to be uh, my last year of college football, but – I do have two or three years of eligibility left to play. So, um, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to prepare the best I can to have a great year this year and, you know, just kind of let it play out. 
So, Jeremy, so you don't see it. Yeah. we know how uh-huh. great of a quarterback Grayson McCall is. Yeah. But here's our chance to ask him. Okay. Because he was a better basketball player in high school. What? Grayson, has Cliff Ellis reached out to you to try to change in that uniform for a Shantz basketball uniform? <laughs> he actually hasn't, but uh, that's funny that you asked. One of our uh, strength and conditioning guys that uh, helps with the basketball team, uh, his name's Zach. I, I always give him a hard time, you know, after the games. I ask him to, know, you know, put in a word uh, to, co- you know, in Coach Ellis's ear, you know, maybe I can get a little walk-on opportunity out there and help him out a little bit, but – yeah, that's funny you ask because I give him a hard time about that. I'm sure nothing would give Jamie Chadwell more warm fuzzies than seeing his star quarterback coming out playing some basketball, maybe laying down some dunks, maybe, <laughs> maybe breaking some ankles. I'm sure he would love to see that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that he would like to have Cliff do that. So you know, with the NBA or NBA, the NFL draft coming up. Uh, you've got probably a couple guys that are going to be watching that with great interest. Are you going to be hanging out with, with uh, Isaiah Likely or Hiley or any of the guys that day? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's actually it's going to be a big day for us. You know, we've got some, you know, three guys that will probably get drafted for sure uh, with the potential of, you know, four or five, maybe six guys getting an opportunity or, you know, at least getting to go work out for a team. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to talk to Isaiah. I'm not sure what his plans are, uh, if he's going to actually be at the draft or, he's going to be back home or what, but just, uh, it's going to be fun for me. Uh, you know, some of those guys are my best friends and just, uh, seeing them get the opportunity to continue playing. It's going to be a really exciting night. Well, I do want to say this before we let you go, uh, Grayson, that I felt like the Chanticleers did a great job in representing, uh, the Sun Belt this year and the year before, uh, did it always played intriguing, uh, games on national TV, which is not something that you can always guarantee. But for, I, one thing that the Chanticleers do is they do entertain. And I think that's been really great for the Sun Belt. And a lot of that has to do with, with your style of offense, the way you play, the way you run hard, <laughs> the way you run hard on every, on every play, which is very exciting to watch. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in 2022. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Sun Belt Conference Player of the Year. Grayson McCall, I mean, Jeremy, our guest list just sometimes it amazes me even. But, you know, he joked about uh, getting the, the word in for Coastal Carolina. They could have used him. They almost won the basketball classic but <laughs> fell to Fresno State 85-74. I think with Grayson, it's a, it's a dub. You know, I always do wonder, though, Tibbs, does the football coach want to see his, his players playing on the basketball? I, 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 I guess not you'd probably see more of that. Uh, I know with the Red Wolves, we've seen like a couple tight ends every, or a wide receiver every now and then would show up and play, you know, a little get, get on that roster. But uh, what do you think the coaches think about that? Do you think that they're okay with that? Or do you think they're like, hell no, keep them off that uh, basketball court? Depends on what the roster looks like. It could be a, okay, good. You know, maybe, maybe it weeds it out that he goes to full basketball and I have another scholarship spot. Yeah. The rest of the time, it's probably cringes and praying that ACL stay intact. Well, I do hope that McCall uh, gets over that, that injury because I do think he's one of the more exciting players in the Sun Belt. And whether you like the Chanticleers or not, I know they, they have, <laughs> Grayson's right. They have attracted a lot of Sunbell heat uh, over the last two seasons. You can't deny that the Chanticleers have played some really exciting football games over the last two years. And, and it's, it bodes well for the Sunbelt to have those type of programs representing us. Yeah, I, I, I love the shots and, and what they've done for the league. They've really put us on the national spotlight. I think the game that you could circle – that really did it was that Brigham Young game in 2020. That was yeah. kind of the head East for the Cougars and, and they'll eventually land at a place where they can play. And they drove all the way to Conway, South Carolina and, and had the game there. I think it was capped at, you know, five, 10,000 people in the stands and, and the mm-hmm. shots were able to pull off the win. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nationally uh, uh, play or nationally broadcast game. And it was a game with that was played under such bizarre and unique circumstances. And to have the chance close escrow and win that game just as it was just another great feather in the cap for the Sun Belt. 
And like I said about Jamie Chadwell, I was fully expected him to move on. Uh, I, I felt like the, 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 his name was, couldn't be any hotter than it is now, but he just seems to fit that sort of Conway, South Carolina sort of culture. You know, he seems to, that he seems to be the Chanticleers. And I felt like Grayson McCall was kind of cut from that same cloth. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely one of the same. And, and, you know, he mentioned the Tennessee job. I don't know if that would have been a good fit for Chadwell. I don't think that McCall would also do very well in that type of offense, even though it would kind of be a move for the shots to Knoxville. I'm just glad they're still in the league because I, I think that we get one more year of really high caliber coaching, high caliber quarterback play, and hopefully some more big wins for the conference. Yeah, and he was honest. He was like, yeah, I think I got one more year here, and then I'm going to move on. You know, a lot of guys will have said, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll just take it game by game, and we'll see at the end of the season, re- reevaluate. He was like, I think this is it. I think this is my last year. And, and it was kind of refreshing to hear that kind of kind of honesty. You know, he was like, hey, I want to be a Chanticleer for life, but I don't want to be a Chanticleer for four years. I want to go ahead and, and um, you know, a strike while the iron's hot as a quarterback, and that's what he's going to have to do for the next draft. We talked to the guy that had been the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year of Grayson McCall, but now we're talking future belts. All right. And Shane Metton joins us from the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia. He was all over it this past week when we found out, Jeremy, that the Conference USA 3 uh-huh. yeah. would become the Sunbelt Conference 3. Yeah, I would think that James Madison is probably like – Finally, these guys have gotten it together. I mean, they James Madison has been ready for a long time. They've got their P's and Q's in order, right? Yeah. That or, well, are they thinking, what kind of shit show did we join? <laughs> More than likely, that's probably what they were. In some ways, it kind of like reversed because originally with JMU making that jump from FCS to FBS, there were a few more hurdles to climb with that. And, um, you know, ODU here in Virginia, I mean, ODU and JMU were working on this side by side to get to the same conference throughout the entire process. And ODU didn't have as quite as many hurdles to go with, especially at the state level with the state legislature in Virginia. Um, but then once JMU got cleared at that level, they didn't have the conference trying to hold them back in the same way, leaving the CAA. So it was kind of like almost a reversal here the last few months where you know JMU have finally had it a little bit easier as far as like making a transition compared to you know what ODU had and I'm just talking about you know from the Virginia point of view of things I mean it's been pretty much the same for Southern Miss and Marshall too but seeing James Madison and Old Dominion go through the same process through the legislature kind of was interesting to see it that way kind of flip um, all of a sudden ODU was having trouble getting where they wanted to go. Well, but early on too, didn't James Madison have a little bit of, I, I, I it wasn't too serious, but there was a bit of brouhaha concerning who can play in conference tournaments if, if they've already, you know, declared they were leaving. So there was a little bit of, of negativity and ill will that you had to smooth over. Was that right? Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, there's still a ton of like negativity and bad blood between JBU and the CAA, but there was never this, there was never, um, the for, for the conference USA, they had in their bylaws, you have to give us 14 months notice, which those schools never intended to do. They just figured we can buy our way out of that. Conference USA didn't want to even negotiate a buyout. Uh-huh. For JMU, it was basically a matter of, I think it came down, it was like a million dollars for to get out of CAA which it's weird because CAA and CAA football are technically two different things, even though they're headquartered in the same location. So it was like a quarter million dollars to get out of the football conference and a million to get out the rest. And they were able to just pay and move on. There was no time constraint there. Um, Once they declared they were done Uh, for conference USA, where they were losing so many teams at the same time, they did not want to let teams go early. So it just came a huge mess as far as Conference USA saying, we're not even going to negotiate a buyout. And the other school saying like, you know, we're willing to pay our way out of this contract, but we're not playing with you guys next year. And it just became like a huge, huge mess where both the Sun Belt and Conference USA released football schedules with those teams on it 
which I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that before where two, two <laughs> conferences are claiming the same team uh -huh. at the same time. Yeah, what a mess. But you know what? I was wondering as as a as a person, as a as a as somebody who covers uh, CAA, and now you're you're moving into the Sun Belt. Did you keep a big eye on what's going on in Sun Belt basketball, for instance, this season? Did you did you did was that held any interest to you, or were you more focused on what was going on in the CAA at the time? I mean, day to day, I was focused on the CAA because you know Jamie was playing those teams. Yeah. Um, but I was paying attention to the Sun Belt, and I've always been a big college basketball guy who pay attention to everything in college basketball just as, as a fan my entire life. So there was definitely interest in the Sun Belt. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, like, we talked about the brouhaha with JMU and CA before. JMU's teams didn't play in the conference tournaments. They weren't allowed to. Uh, I didn't watch a minute of the CAA basketball tournaments i did watch the sunbelt tournaments on espn plus yay all right production it was easier to watch and yeah so i mean once the regular season was over i completely shifted the sunbelt as far as you know basketball and football and everything's gone uh still got a little bit you know spring sports here jmu there's some interest in the teams they still gotta play some caa games but i, I get asked all the time like when are they taking caa off the court when are they getting it <laughs> off the court? when are they taking those banners down well there is a date <laughs> though right <laughs> probably there is a day right when it all officially july first yeah, yeah july yeah. first is when they officially move over as far as when they sand down the basketball court i don't know exactly when they're gonna do that but you know i, I get asked that a lot like when are they taking the logos off everything and I, I don't know the official date but you know you won't see them next year i can tell you that yeah somebody should set up a camera for when that process takes place so then i have I've, I've even asked like hey can you let me know when you're gonna do it because people ask all the time like i bet a, i bet a video would get like a lot of clicks on it if we uh, yeah, yeah that's great content you gotta have that i know yeah so it, i know tibbs has a, a has a more penetrating questions but i i have a, a sort of protocol question to ask you which because it's coming more in your neck of the woods and it's in our neck of the woods but there was have you heard of this eric church guy <laughs> yes i've heard of him yeah yeah okay so you know he he he's canceled a concert so he could have watched north carolina his favorite team play duke in the uh final four and he canceled the concert so people are like hey you canceled concert oh you're such a fan but he is a a uh, a graduate of appalachian state so is there some sort of breach of protocol here that do you see any of that? Or am I just making a, a mountain out of a molehill? I'll tell you, I have lived in both Virginia and North Carolina. Uh -huh. and you see that much more in North Carolina where, you know, maybe I'm an App State grad or maybe I'm an ECU grad or a Charlotte grad or whatever, but like, I've got my Tar Heel stuff. <laughs> like you see that all the time in North Carolina. Yeah, you yeah. See much, that's I think what's interesting about the Sun Belt adding the schools that they're adding is you don't see that. You know, if you're a Marshall fan, you don't also have a West Virginia, you know, jacket in your closet. And if you're a JMU fan, you know, maybe you're a little bit interested in Virginia, Virginia Tech, but at the same time, you you don't really you're not. If you're JMU, the hardcore JMU fans are not. Virginia Tech fans, for instance. That's uh, what I wanted to hear. Yes, that's yeah. what I wanted to hear. Loyalty, Tibbs. That's what we need. We need more loyalty. Yeah, and I mean, like anywhere else, there are people who have connections to both schools, maybe have degrees from both schools, things like that. And, you know, but, you know, JMU just recently got a football game with UVA on the schedule for the first time in 40 years. And how badly JMU people want to beat UVA again in football, like in basketball this year, like it's not, it's not a bunch. You don't see a ton of that where, yeah, I went to Appalachian state, but really I'm a Tar Heel, you know, you don't see yeah, uh -huh. okay. in Virginia as you do in North Carolina at all. So Shane, last time we talked was right around the time that we learned that James Madison, <clears throat> Old Dominion, Marshall and Southern Miss would be making the jump to the Sunbelt conference. Has the excitement still kind of been there where people are looking forward to that first Sunbelt Conference game of James Madison or even the season opener when they host uh, Middle Tennessee in? Yeah, the, the excitement level is huge, um, especially when they're able to get that Middle Tennessee game because it's going to be – I mean, there's a lot of technicalities here. Good. I had somebody correct me because we originally kind of said 
which is what we were told by JMU. This will be the first home game against an FBS opponent, uh, which wasn't necessarily true. Like Appalachian State played JMU back in the early 80s when they were in the early days of Division One A. So it, it wasn't necessarily true, but it's still it's going to be a huge thing. Um, that game is going to be, you know, quickly sold out as soon as all the tickets are available. Um, they scheduled Marshall for um, homecoming, which, you know, we, we've been joking about. Not, no more Campbells or, you know, uh, Moorhead States for homecoming games anymore. You're, you're jumping right into, you know, Marshall. Um, I imagine you won't be able to get a hotel room anywhere within 50 miles of Harrisonburg for that weekend. Um, they're, they're excited for the schedule. And it's part of what they say, you know, obviously – CAA fans, we talked about the bad blood there. CAA fans will say things like, hey, enjoy the, you know, whatever whatever corporate sponsor minor bowl game you might be able to go to in a couple of years. And JMU fans are saying, yeah, we, we don't care about that. This is a move we're making for September through November because now we're going to have games we're interested in for months down the line. We're not waiting for the FCS playoffs to finally have something competitive uh, to look forward to. Nice. Uh, so yeah, the, the, those, those regular season football games, I would imagine they're probably going to sell out for the season as far as, you know, their home games and we'll probably travel pretty well when you look at, you know, pretty close reasonable drive road trips down to app state uh, over to ODU. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine you're going to see a lot of JMU fans on the road too, like just because the excitement they have for being in this conference. First Sunbelt Conference game is a trip to Boone, North Carolina against Appalachian State. I'm anxious just to kind of see how this transition goes because we've seen in the past where Georgia Southern, for instance, came into the league their first year and really dominated the league, wound up winning the regular season conference ineligible for a conference championship and bowl game and, and all that, but they dominated the league. We also saw the same thing with App State. They came in, picked up right away. So do you feel that that's kind of set the precedent of what James Madison has to come in and do, or do you think that they're in a position where they'll just come in and really pick up where they left off in the CAA? I think – I don't know if they have to follow that same precedent because, I mean, you look back to – when Georgia Southern came in, they obviously had a great year, but the league wasn't what it is now. I mean, Jamie's getting into that East division. It's going to be extremely competitive from top to bottom next year. Um, I think Jamie's going to be competitive. Uh, they got a lot of like FBS caliber players and they're doing well in the transfer market right now and everything. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be competitive in most, if not all their games, but I don't necessarily see them coming in and winning finishing at the top of the league right away because it's just, you know, what the Sunbelt's done. Part of the reason Jamie is so excited about being in the Sunbelt is because of how they've built this league up to being a really, really good football league right now. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a different situation than what, you know, those other teams jumped into. Not that they can't be competitive and beat anybody on a given week necessarily, but I don't necessarily see them winning week in and week out because it's, you know, so balanced in that, especially in that East division. What was the word around James Madison when the two schedules came out, not really knowing who was in the league, who was not in the league, who are you going to play, who you have the potential of playing, and then who are you going to play? I mean, I think there was always like plenty of confidence that the Sun Belt was going to win out in this whole battle with Conference USA. Um, if nothing else, I mean, I was hearing all along, like, OD, people from ODU would be in contact with me saying, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to play JMU and App State and all these teams next year. Like we're, we're working on our marketing for like being in the Sun Belt. Um, so they were always confident. Um, once things started going to like a legal battle, I think there was like a little bit more hesitation, but I don't know. I'm, you go back to just the whole realignment process there are reasons JMU is in the Sun Belt now because they could have joined Conference USA, but Conference USA is not run. And you, you know, you guys talk to Keith Gill all the time. You know what an impressive guy he is. And he, he's got his finger, he's got everything under control. Like, I don't think anybody ever really kind of doubted that he'd have things ready to go next year with the 14 teams they wanted to play in this conference. 
Well, I have to admit, I once the legal uh, challenges started to hit, I kind of thought maybe CSA had a point. I mean, they're losing a lot of a uh, lot of marketable teams uh, just for to help them sustain another year. They would would need to have those teams helping. So I really thought maybe they had a little more incentive to put that legal fight through. But I guess in the end, they just didn't have the juice. Yeah, and I think you know the the three schools, they quickly filed the right paperwork to get it. So it was decided in their own home counties in West yeah. Virginia, Mississippi, Virginia. Um, and so, you know, they had that advantage there um, while Conference USA kind of wanted to do like a arbitration, which is a federal process. And it just didn't, the, they, like I said, those three schools had the legal home court advantage, um, which worked out for them. And then it turned into three separate legal battles instead of one. And eventually it was not going to, the timing for Conference USA was just wasn't going to work out because, you know, they've got other teams in that conference who need to figure out what they're doing as far as, you know, booking hotels and planes and everything for their games and putting out a schedule for their fans. I think eventually the rest of the schools wanted to move on, even if maybe the league office wasn't quite ready for that. Right. Oh, you got to, right? But, okay, so you talked a little bit about football with Tibbs. He was talking about uh, – you both were talking about whether or not uh, JMU has the uh, talent and the abilities right now to compete right away in that very tough Sunbelt East. But where, what programs do you think JMU is going to make the, the biggest dent first? And it could be anything. It could be track. It could be uh, roller skating. What, whatever JMU has. That, that you think would be like, yeah, these guys are going to kick some butt right away? It's hard to say. I mean, I might think the team that might surprise some people is the men's basketball team because they were they were really rolling early in the season mm-hmm. this year and then had a ton of injuries. They had almost a, you know, almost a month without games because of COVID issues um, between them and other teams. And that really slowed them down, especially those injuries. They were just not the same team they were early in the season. But they're going to have the core of that group back, it looks like. It looks like they're not getting hit too hard with transfers. Um, They'll probably bring in some other transfers. Um, So I think, you know, men's basketball, people might look and say, oh, they were 15 and 14 last year in the CAA. But I I think if they're full strength next year, they could be very, very competitive and maybe at the top, close to the top of the Sun Belt. people you probably just don't realize unless you're paying close attention that you know that was a pretty talented team last year that had a lot of a lot of bad luck down the stretch yeah I, re- derailed things. I remember uh james madison was the darling of the college uh, basketball community after who was the big win against it was um it was virginia they they yeah. yeah they had virginia at home they knocked them off and you know it didn't end up being like a classic you know one of virginia's best teams but uh, that's a team that won at Cameron Indoor Stadium later in the season. They, they were they were decent. They were you know not a great team, but um, that was about the level they were on. You know, early on, one of their only losses early in the season was to Murray State, which we saw had a great year. It was a top twenty-five team. So, you know, I think yeah, probably going into next year, football is going to be competitive, but it'll be tough to win every week. Um, softball team that made a big run last year is young they're rebuilding a little bit and it's going to be a tougher conference for them um they're really stepping up a quality of going from ca to sunbelt and softball and baseball mm-hmm. uh, so i don't know if you'll see huge things from those teams but i think men's basketball and to a lesser degree women's basketball might be ready to compete at the top of the conference right away is there sort of a sub not sub genre that's a weird thing to say but maybe an other guy's sport maybe like a, a beach volleyball i don't know or some other sport that jmu might be able to to, to create some, uh, some havoc well i mean their women's lacrosse team is like fantastic they're not playing in the sunbelt yeah sponsor that but you know it it is a team that'll get some national attention you know especially here on the East Coast, where it's like you know Middle Atlantic area, it's a pretty big, pretty big deal. Um, lacrosse, um, they're on a roll right now. Uh, probably going to crack the top ten when the next poll comes out. Um, so you know that's a sport, even though it's not a Sun Belt sponsored sport. That's one where you know turn on the uh, turn on the TV Memorial Day weekend, just flipping through the channels, you might see JMU on ESPN, like playing for a championship and that's well that would be great that would be awesome but uh, i do love lacrosse my son plays lacrosse 
and I wish that it would get a, a, a stronger uh, hold. It's, it's getting big in Texas. It's fairly big in Oklahoma, but places like Arkansas, Alabama, uh, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana's getting a little bit, they just haven't been there yet. So I'm hoping it catches on and eventually we all have a lacrosse, uh, a Sunbelt lacrosse uh, uh, conference too. That would yeah, be great. It really is. It's a great sport. I mean, yeah. if you like football, if you like basketball, you would like you would like lacrosse if you like learn the rules and everything it's it's really entertaining to watch and, oh yeah and- it's it's rough and it's physical and it's 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 a little like baseball because you're flinging the ball as hard as you can it's just really good stuff i and love budget it. friendly i'm sorry what it's budget friendly it is well you know i tell you have you ever paid for a lacrosse stick <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've got girls though, so really only have to buy is the stick. So that's that's been good for me. Like uh, that must be nice, yeah. That, that. But hey, I want you to do me a favor, Shane. If you, if you can, if you could find some way to cover the national basket or the NCAA basketballs or the NCAA bowling tournament that's coming out next week. You know, Arkansas State will be there. So oh you, really? No. Yeah. So. I don't know if there's any uh, uh, programs out in the uh, mid mid east that uh, are, are are being represented, but yeah, you might want to keep an eye on those red lady red wolves bowling. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> yeah we're trying to uh, keep an eye on you know everything Sunbelt related and uh, okay try to eventually. It's not Sunbelt. It's kind of like your your yeah. your lacrosse thing, but yeah, yeah. It... it's the Southland. <laughs> South Vanderbilt's in our conference and uh places like Prairie View but yeah it's a strange it's a strange culture uh college bowling so uh if you ever get caught up into it uh I can introduce you to some people if you need some interviews or something Shane you just let me know we, we might I might be in touch with you yeah <laughs> we, we have fallen way off the rails in this interview <laughs> Bring us back, Tibbs. Help us out. So, Shane, when you look at the four that are coming in, who do you see being the most successful in kind of their first attempt in the Sunbelt Conference of, of football this upcoming fall? I mean, it's tough because, you know, Southern Miss obviously is probably rebuilding a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they're entering, you know, probably an easier division outside of, you know, Louisiana that's, you know, the West is going to be a little bit easier top to bottom. Um, you know, Marshall, I think they should be pretty solid next year. Jamie and ODU are both, I think, in good places with their programs. But like I said, it's just going to be so competitive uh, jumping in there right away. Um, but, you know, I've been really impressed with, you know, what Ricky Rain's done at ODU so far. Um, and, you know, they continue to recruit really well. And they're in a really good spot for recruiting when you look at their um, – that Norfolk Virginia beach metro area that they sit in is full of talent. And, you know, I could see them, you know, maybe surprising some people next year just because they finished Mm. so strong after a really rough start in his first season. Uh, He seems to have things going the right way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if ODU has a really good season next year. You know, more I think about that. You, you, you hear the subtle jab of, of the James Madison guy in the East just poking the bear of the West of yeah, yeah. The, the lesser conference, the I mean, lesser division. The we're, I we're... Think that's, that's the way it stands right now. But I mean, we go back, it wasn't that long ago where Arkansas state was really good every year. Um, yes, I know. I, <laughs> I know. I mean, just saying like, that's the, that's kind of the beauty of this conference that they got put together is there are so many programs that could turn things around they have the infrastructure there they have what it takes to turn it around not everybody can win every year but it, it's going to be really competitive and yeah i don't expect arkansas state to stay down i don't expect georgia southern to stay down um but then who are they going to replace at the top it's you know it's going to be really really fun to see all these teams competing against each other well i would rather much rather see james madison on top than see appalachian state up there again so yeah. <laughs> so I'll be rooting for JMU to take over that East, but, uh, but uh, yes. So uh, what else do we have, Tibbs? That's all we had. Do we want to get a basketball um, uh, prediction? Uh, for the Are they playing tonight? 
Yeah, what? Final Four, yeah. I mean, it's not our thing. But so we Shane, might. One of the few things that we do talk about that's not Sunbelt related is basketball, of course. National championship game coming up, North Carolina, Kansas, a classic matchup. I don't know anything about these teams. I don't know anything about them. So yeah, I don't know. I might just abstain because I'm actually a Kansas alum. Uh, so no, no, saying, explain to us. Everything I talked about, I'm a little bit biased in this one. I, I'm definitely pulling for my Jayhawks. Uh, okay. You know, lifelong, you know, Kansas. I grew up there. It's a, uh, you know, my, the, the team that kind of, it kind of made me fall in love with sports was the '88 uh, national championship team there, Kansas. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pulling for the Jayhawks all the way in that. That's I'll have to admit, you know, I'm not. Not impartial in this one. Well, they looked awfully good yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Hopefully, they can look that good again because because uh, Carolina's been on a roll. They they surely have, you know. Yeah, but Villanova. Like, like, I don't think like they, we were talking before. They got all those bandwagon fans down there that uh, went to <laughs> school. So you know, I can't 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 uh, can't can't see them all uh, taking credit for that championship. That's that's not fair. Oh, absolutely. North Carolina is powered by all the Appalachian State fans. So that, yeah. that might be their <laughs> that might be their that that might be their power. What about you, Tibbs? Who do you think? Come on. Gotta go with the Jayhawks. Right. I, I, I I think that uh self made a comment, something to the effect that uh anything short of a national championship to show their dominance just wouldn't be fair. And so uh if, if the man's going out and being that brash, he's got a reason to be there. He must be feeling pretty cocky. I, too, will go with Kansas only because I feel like Kansas is coming out with that, that super strong effort against Villanova. I feel like North Carolina feels like they're just happy enough beating Duke. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's some uh, letdown, but they've already played their championship game. <laughs> I think that's how they're, they're, they're looking at it. For this one. Uh, Tim, do you have anything else for Shane? That's all I got for Shane. We appreciate you joining us as always there, Shane, and look forward to talking to you uh, sometime again over the summer as we get ready to welcome in the Dukes to the Sunbelt Conference.